to see everybody. Welcome. We're glad to have you. Glad to have you. It's good stuff. And uh, we want to jump right in tonight. And uh, let's go ahead and turn over to Hebrews chapter 3. And we're going to look at verse 6 first. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 6. And while you're getting there, and once you get there, just hold your place. We have been in a series called The Two Parts of Life. And if you want to throw that graphic up on the screen there. We've been in this series of teaching called The Two Parts of Life. And just in general, this is what it's talking about. You'll see in the two parts of life, you have uh, two parts. Yay. <laughs> and uh, isn't that handy? So what you have is part one, God loving on us. And part two is us loving on God. And what we've been talking about is the fact that, you know, most of our life, what we've heard is to do this the wrong way. And here's, here's what I mean by that. You come into church and they say, hey, get all your stuff together before you come into church. You know, you got to have the right clothes on. You got to have all the right stuff. You got to get rid of that sin. You can't have sin to come into church, you know. Now, what they're saying is some things that we should do if we honor, love, and respect God. But here's the problem with that. Which one's coming first? Our love towards God. And the word says this, that we can't love on God until we've received love from God. And so any time that we love on God, it has to be empowered by our reception. And so what we've done is we've told people do what I'm calling the list. Do this, 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 and this. And it's just like in the Old Testament with the law that nobody could uphold. And so what was happening is we were still trying to fulfill the list, fulfill the law without receiving his love. He says that you cannot love without his love. We love because he first loved us. So if we try to love on him without first receiving his love, we're already behind the eight ball. I mean, we're already uh, missing it. And so a lot of times what we've done is we've gone through life, gone through life, trying to do the right thing, but we really haven't been receiving, we haven't received the fullness of his love. I, I told at the beginning of this series, I said, I, this is the way I pastored for seven years, right? Because somebody would come to me, they'd have an issue, and I apologize. That's the very first thing I did when we started this series is I apologize to anybody listening, to the world, I apologize. Go back, listen to the first one, you'll hear it. And what I said was, basically when somebody's come and they've said, hey, I got this problem and I need to fix it, well, I'd say, hey, well, let's review what you've been doing and let's see what things in the list you can change that will help you place yourself in a better place. That's the way I was taught. That's the way I was raised and everything. But here's the problem with that. They didn't need my list, even though my list was true. And my list is probably going to help them in the future. They need help right now. And so what I was missing was giving them the power 
so that they would receive God's grace right now and releasing his love on them in the moment. And then what happens when part one happens, when God loves on us? When God loves on us, all of a sudden now we are empowered to love back on him the right way in the list and with the law. Does that make sense? So that's just kind of a, what this series is and what we're talking about. And see, this is proven when Jesus came to the earth. Because if we had to get all of our stuff right before we could move into the grace of God, we would still be in a mess because Romans 5 says that we were sinners, we were helpless, we could not help ourselves, and that it goes so far as to say we were enemies of God himself. That's when God said, I have a priority. And my priority is not that you get yourself fixed first. My priority is I want to save you no matter what you've done. And so I'm not telling you that it's not important for us to love on God and to fulfill righteousness and walk in, even in grace. The word tells us that grace should push us uh, and move us into more holiness. All right, that's what the word says. But here's the thing. We've got, in other words, we need to move in fruit of the spirit, the, the uh, uh, manifestations of our love towards God. In other words, if we truly do love God, people ought to see it, right? <laughs> we, people ought to see that. But here's the thing. What did God say when he sent his son? He said, I got a priority. And it's not what you did. It's not what you did or you didn't do. My priority is I love you. I love you, and I love you so much, I'm going to give you the most valuable thing in the universe. The thing I only have one of, that's my son. And so what he did is, and when you receive my son as your Lord and Savior, now you will be empowered to live a life full of life. This is God's plan, the two parts of life. Now, if you're only receiving from God all the time, it's like, God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, and you're never giving back your love to God, you will have some good stuff, but your life will never be full, which is why it's called the two parts of life and not just the one part of life. Amen? So let's look at uh, Hebrews chapter 3. And tonight we're talking about, in this series, Entering into rest through his love. And let's look at verse 6. It says, But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are. See, right now, I want you to catch that, that for all who will accept it, you can be in the household of God. In other words, the creator of the universe all-powerful, unlimited uh, knowledge and wisdom and grace and, and riches and all of that, you can be his heir by simply be becoming a part of the house of God. In other words, God has a family, and all you have to do is accept Christ, and you will be in that family. And it says, whose house you are. This is a promise to anybody that will receive that. It says, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. 
So in other words, we're in the house of God, but there's something that we need to be doing. We don't need to just be going about and, you know, just, well, whatever happens to me happens to me. And, you know, if I miss it, I miss it. You know, I just, I just go and do whatever I want to do, right? That's it. In other words, he just told us right there that we need, there's something we need to hold on to till the very end. And that we need to hold on to a rest in him. A belief in him. In other words, we need to find the rest of God. Recently, I heard Keith Moore uh, at the uh, convention I was at earlier this summer, and, and Keith Moore said this. Uh, he said something along these lines. The primary symptom of faith is rest. In other words, if you are not in rest, you know, if you can imagine that God's got you in his hand, and you are laid back, you know, kicking it, right? If you, if you are not resting in God, you're probably not in faith. Matter of fact, I'll say it like this. You ain't. You're not in faith. <laughs> you know, just to clarify. All right, so uh, let's look now at verse 12. And he goes on to say, he, he quotes some scripture here, and then he talks about people that won't enter into the rest of God. And then in verse 12 he says, Take care, brethren, that they're not... In other words, we need to make something a priority here. Make this a priority. This is for every believer, anybody in the house of God. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. pretty strong. I mean, if you did know God and you really get to know him, you find out he's pretty awesome, right? I mean, he really is. Uh, a lot of people have preached him wrong. They've talked about him wrong. But when you really do get to know him, he's awesome. And he blows all that junk, you know, that people are scared of out of the water. He, he's kind of like the best loving daddy that you can ever have that you're not afraid to go to when, you, when you're doing good. You're not afraid to go, go to when you're doing bad. He loves you. That's who, who he is. He loves us more than we love each other. Where do you think our love came from? It came from him. If we got any good in us, it came from him, right? So he says, look, though, but imagine starting to move into this relationship with God, with this great loving father, and then all of a sudden you're out of it. It's not a good place, and it's not a place you want to be. It's not a place that you want to end up at. But there, what he's getting to is there's something that can draw you out of that relationship and it will draw you to the bad places in your life and it does it constantly. And it's called not being in rest. Not being in belief. In other words, it starts to fear, it starts to worry, it starts to have anxiety. And, and it, in other words, it's kind of like this. I've I've gotten upset at my kids before. Um, oh, shocking. Uh, yeah, I've I've gotten upset at them before. And here's one of the things that man, it just there's something about it just gets on my nerves and so much. And uh, it's this: when they act afraid of me, because what that means to me is they don't really know me. Like when they don't want to tell me that they messed up. 
when they don't want to tell me that they messed up, it tells me they don't really know my heart for them because I really want to help them in that moment. And see, I imagine that God is the same way, that he loves his kids so much. And, and recently I had a conversation, and, and in that conversation it was like, I'm, I'm scared to even talk to God right now. And I was like, are you kidding? He's the best one you can talk to right now. He's awesome. He loves you so much, so much. He's the one that we need to be running to all the time. And so, but see, the devil knows that. And so what the devil does is he tries to put stuff in our life and then we go and mess up. And then all of a sudden, the devil says, and he you know, might whisper in your ear, he might whisper it through other people, or he might even whisper it through a preacher that doesn't know God. And he'll say, ah, you don't need to go to God. You don't need, uh, he, he's mad at you because you messed up. When you get your stuff right, then go back to God. How does that sound in comparison to our graphic that we had a while ago? It sounds backwards, doesn't it? Because God's sitting up there saying, look, I do have a priority that you do stuff right because it will go well with you when you do things right. But my highest priority is to get my love to you. That's my highest priority. That's what God's saying all throughout his word. My highest priority is to get you my love, to get my love real in your life for it to show up however you need it you need you need to get some stuff out of your head that's been giving you turmoil and trouble and anxiety i want to set you free from it you you need uh, finances i want to bring god's saying i want to bring finances in your life you're in any bondage whatsoever i want to set you free that's who god is and so but what the devil do is say don't go talk to him why would he say that because he knows you start talking to God, you're going to get free. You're going to get free. It, it's just like this. He knows you start coming to church, your life will change. How many people ever started coming and all of a sudden you got every excuse in the world, everything in the world comes up to not go? You know, I've had it happen too. Every reason in the world. Why? Because the devil knows. You start coming. I was, I was talking to somebody recently, and uh, they, they started coming to church. And uh, truthfully, even they, they told me, look, we didn't come right. We didn't come enough. You know, we made up, we let excuses get us and everything. And yet their testimony is, as they went, and even just uh, every now and then came, the blessings of God started to come on them, and stuff from the world and bondages started breaking off of them and they just started becoming more and more free and we were talking because some of that freedom had come and they were saying we didn't even do it right imagine if we did it right how great that would be you know how how awesome that would be that's what happens when we just get in line with God great stuff happens why because he loves us all right so he says look Take care or make it a priority, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil and unbelieving heart. A heart that doesn't trust God. A heart that sees the problem bigger than they see God as the solution. 
He says, make sure you don't do this. Then verse 13, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now what's he telling us? He's telling us how to stay close to God. That's what he's telling us. He's telling us how to not get away from God. He's telling you, if you will watch after this, if you will make this a priority, you will stay in tight with God where his glory is manifested in your life, where his protection is. And it has to do with trusting him no matter what we see or feel and trusting him in the middle of maybe a dark situation and not leaving the rest that we find in trust. But encourage one another. And this is interesting. See, this is one thing about church that's awesome, is when we come to church, we ought to have this attitude. Let's say that Rebecca's going through something. She ought to, if she comes to church, here's what she ought to find here. She ought to find a whole group of people that will tell her, hey, be encouraged. God's got this. He's going to come through for you. And, and by the time she walks out of here, she might have walked in like this. But by the time she walks out, she'll be, she'll be praising God. She will be excited and have hope overflowing because we encourage one another to find the rest of God. See, this is how we're supposed to work as a family and not just, you know, all of us, know, you know, it's just me against the world, you know, and not move in that, but to keep our trust and our eyes on God. Encourage one another. In verse 14, listen, listen to this wording. For we have become partakers of Christ. This means, this word here means partners. We have become partners with Christ. We, have, uh, we partake also of who he is and what he is. In other words, who Jesus, do you think that Jesus, if he was standing right here, right now, sitting beside you in your chair uh, or wherever you might be listening at, do you think that if Jesus was here right now that he could fix your problem? I do. Amen. This verse right here says that you are with Christ and have the ability to partake from him. So you have the ability to use all of his goodness, his righteousness, just like you were him. That's what this word means. And he says that you have this. If you are in Christ, if you're a Christian, if you uh, believe in God, you have that ability right now. It's not something you're waiting on. So just because you can't see Jesus sitting next to you in the row doesn't mean that he's not waiting to help you right now. He's sitting there, he's ready, he's available, and he's all yours. You're partners with him. Everything he has is yours. All right, so then it says, For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. If we hold fast. So can you see that there is something going on here that says, I need to trust God and not let go. 
I need to trust God and not let go. No matter what I see, no matter what I feel, no matter what. The issue is not how it came about, why it came about, when it's going to be settled. The issue truly is, do you trust God? That's the issue. And that's the thing i got to grab a hold of and I'm not letting go of it. Because if I'll grab a hold of trust in God, it will bring me into the rest which is my salvation. It is the answer. It is the solution. But it all comes down to, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. And here's the thing. If we really and truly do trust, here's what will happen. If we truly do trust, our actions are going to look different. Our actions are going to look different. Uh, so, for instance, if, uh, if we truly do trust and we're not feeling good, right? If we truly do trust God and we're not feeling good, then we're not just going to the medicine cabinet. Mm, what's in here? Oh, my goodness. Before we get to the medicine cabinet, uh, we're, we're seeking the Lord. Lord, I trust you more than that. I'm going to go, George pointed to his Bible, I'm going to go to a different medicine cabinet. There's a cabinet right here that's full of the promises of God, and his word says that my word is health to your flesh. So literally through Christ, we are partakers with God. In other words, we're going to go to him, and we're going to ask the Lord, Lord, I trust you. I'm entering into rest right now, and I trust you. In other words, it, we're not letting the solutions of the world they're not necessarily bad, but we're not putting them first. We trust God. Trust will move you into those places, into those positions. I had a situation come up this week. Not going to share the full details with you tonight because it's a little bit of a story. But here's the situation. All of a sudden, I got some really bad news. And it was going to cost Nicole and I a lot of money for something. And I had the opportunity right then to go, oh! What are we going to do? And start flipping out about it. I mean, we're talking a, a good chunk of change. Or I could trust God. And so I, we, Nicole and I, we just purposed ourselves to find the rest of God. And make a longer story short, by the end of that day, it was completely solved. Nothing was needed. It was 100% solved. God showed me wisdom on exactly what actually needed to happen. And uh, that's what, and so it saved us a lot, you know. Why? Do you think it would have come if I would have started flipping out? I don't. I if I was flipping out, I wouldn't have been able to hear what the Lord told me. See, in that rest was my answer. That's what we have to hold on to. So let's go down now uh, to verse 18. Now, in between the verse we just read and this, it starts to talk about the people who didn't rest, that were in disbelief. And this is talking about the Israelites when they were in the uh, desert. So the Israelites are in Egypt. They're in bondage. Man, God starts moving in all these miracles, and they go out of Egypt loaded down with gold and silver and jewels. They're all healthy, right? And they go through, their clothes aren't wearing out, their sandals aren't wearing out, uh, the Red Sea's splitting, food's coming in the middle of a desert and all this stuff. And yet then God says, all this amazing stuff is happening. Then God says, go into the promised land. And all of a sudden they looked 
and saw that the people in the promised land were big and it was going to be a chore. And all of a sudden, they took their eyes off of God and looked at the problem and their hearts hardened and they never entered into the rest of God, the promised land of God. This is exactly the same thing that can happen to us if we look at the sickness, look at the bill you get in the mail, look at whatever more than you look at God. You look at the situation more than you look at God. This is exactly what happens. We get our eyes off of God, trust moves away, we harden our heart, and we get into disbelief. And now we're in the worst position to actually have an answer come. Why? Because our hearts are hardened because we've let go of the trust of God. So even if you ever find yourself in that situation, what you need to do is start putting your eyes back on the promises of God. Look at what God has said to you. Look at His love for you. How much He wants to love you no matter how you got there or why you're in that situation. What He wants to get to you is part one, His love. And all of a sudden we look back at the promises of God and the trust in God, it starts to rise back up in us. And now we're moving into that place where we're laid back in the hands of God. And now we can enter into that rest. You will enter into the rest of God before you will enter into the manifestation of your answer almost every time. In other words, if you're not in the rest of God, it's going to be really difficult for you to get the answer. Okay? We've got to make sure that we trust on God and rest in Him. That's how our answer comes about. So in verse 18 it says this, And to whom did He swear that they would not enter His rest, but to those who were disobedient? In other words, He's saying this is what happened. They were disobedient. They were untrusting. They had hardened their heart. And eventually He had to tell them, you're not going to enter into rest. Now, was that him doing that to them? Or did they do it to themselves? They did it to themselves. God had a promised land. Joshua, later on, you know, just one generation later, Joshua and Caleb get up. You know, the only two guys that trusted out of that whole generation, they walked right in. They took all of Israel and they said, boom, and started knocking stuff out of the way and entered right into that promised land like it was nothing. All they did was they rested in the obedience of God. It was nothing. It was nothing to God. It was something to the ones who were disobedient because they looked at the wrong thing and not God and they didn't rest in Him. But it was nothing to God. Verse 19 so we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Right now, I don't know what you might have going on in your life, but I, here's what I know. That no matter what it is, no matter what its name is, no matter what kind of problem, no matter how big or little it may be, there is a rest of God in that situation. And you will enter or not enter based off of your trust towards God, your belief or unbelief. You will enter or not enter based off of do you take rest in the trust of God? Do you want to see a solution? 
then you need to look at God and say, are you really who you say you are? Do you really love me that much? And then you need to answer your own question. Yes, you are. And I believe on you. I trust on you and enter into that rest. In other words, he's already told us. He's already shown us that. So we need to take his word for it already. He said every one of his promises is yes and amen. Yes and amen. In other words, amen means so be it. So he says every one of my promises, this is my will towards my promises and you. Yes and so be it. So be it. The same power, this is his promises, the same power that created light, light be, is the same power that he's saying, I will take my promises and cause them to be in you. Amen? So we will enter into that or not based off the rest, based off of belief. So now let's go into Hebrews 4 and verse 9. It says... So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Are you the people of God? Yeah. And if you're not, no matter who's watching this, whatever time, all you have to do is confess Jesus as Lord, believe that God raised him from the dead for you, and you will be born again, and now you are the people of God. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead for you and make him the director of your life. That's it. And you'll be born again, and then you will be the people of God. You will be in the house of God. And if you are in the house of God, there remains today a rest for you in whatever situation it is that you have going on. There's a rest for you right now. And then in verse 10, For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from His. So in other words, what happens is when we enter into rest and we say, see, God didn't rest because He was worn out. God rested because He was done, because it was finished. And Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. And when you accepted Jesus, every problem that you have became finished in the eyes of God. And you can either believe that or you cannot believe that. But the ones that will believe that will enter into his rest in that situation. They will enter into that rest because they believe it. Lord, I believe it's finished. That stuff is finished in my life. And so he says, hey, there remains a Sabbath rest. And the one who enters his rest is taking on the same character that God did when it was finished in the garden. It's saying he's moving into a power. He's moving into the promise. He's moving into the promised land. He's moving into salvation. He's moving into, that person is moving into the answer. So whatever answer that you need, it comes by resting in God and trusting him. Whatever it is. Verse 11. Therefore, because of all this, therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest. In other words, we need to purpose our heart to enter that rest. We don't just need to let life happen to us. We need to happen to life. 
I'm, I'm going to purpose myself to enter the trust of God, the belief of God, the rest of God. I'm going to make that a priority. I'm going to make that something in my life. I'm going to, I'm going to make it, I'm going to be intentional about it. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest. And, and why? So that no one will fall. How would you like it if you didn't have to fall anymore? Wouldn't that be nice? All we do is enter the rest so that no one will fall. No one will fall. Through following the same example of disobedience. In other words, you won't fall back because you are not following that example of disobedience. And then it goes on to say this. This is kind of an interesting point right here, going into verse 12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Now he's talking about entering into that rest. He's talking about if we enter into that rest, then we will be saved. And then he goes into this and he says, but don't be disobedient don't, so that you won't fall. And then he says, the, the Lord and the word is able to see everything in your life. See it all. When you thought good, when you thought bad, he's able to see it all. Now, see, I can see preachers, you know, reading all that, and I can see preachers of my past not preaching the right thing go into something along these lines. So you better get yourself right. You better do this and do that and everything else. That is not what he's saying at all. That's not what he's saying at all. He's talking about us getting, in other words, what they're saying is, you better, he's starting to point the finger, you better get everything right. You ain't got it right and you know it and, and God can see it all. You better be scared of them. That does not line up with the two parts of life that we've been talking about. That doesn't line up with his love. Do you know why that part is there? And, and let's look at this. Go in now to verse 14. And you'll notice that verse 14 says, therefore. In other words, what I, that therefore, the word therefore, uh, a good thing to remember is anytime you see the word therefore, you want to look at what came in front of it so you know what the therefore is therefore. Okay? It's just a way to remember that. Always remember when you see that word therefore, there was something in front of it that it was talking about. Okay? And so, what was it talking about right before this? That everything is laid open. God sees it all. And it says because God sees it all, this is what the therefore is, is there for. Because God sees it all, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. I'm going to go ahead and read the rest and then I'm going to go back and explain it. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. In other words, he was tempted with everything you've been tempted with, and yet 
He didn't sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What was that whole chapter there for? It was so that you would get to the place where you would find help in your time of need. The reason that he's talking about everything is open to God and the word of God helps us separate that stuff is this. That you might be going through something and you might be having a, a trial. You might be having a situation and what you're feeling is not rest. <laughs> you're, not, you're feeling the pressure of the world. You're feeling all the temptations to not trust God, to not believe God. You're feeling all of that. And this is what God's saying. I don't care where you're at. I don't care why you're there. But if you'll come to me, Jesus, who knows how to do all this stuff right, and me, who can see everything, we'll be able to find the problem and we'll be able to help you and put you. You will find grace instead of condemnation. You will find help when you need it the most. In other words, God's saying, you come to me, humble yourself, lay yourself out in the rest of your trust for me. Rest in your trust for me. Lay yourself out in front of me, and I'll be able to spiritually, surgically remove the stuff out of your life and help you get that stuff out of your life and put you on the right foot and get you going where you need to and take you into the promises and take you into the fullness of life instead of leaving you out there to dry. Now the, the world would tell you that God's mean and you know I used to do this all the time that he's like you know up in, up in heaven with a big old lightning bolt and he just he loves it when you mess up. You know it's like come on man George just mess up one more time. Let me wind it up you know. Zhikow! You know he's just waiting on that. That is not God. That's the opposite of God. That's what the devil has preached. And a lot of people have listened. God says, I don't care how you got there. I don't care what you did or did not do. I want to help you. I want to love on you. And when you receive my love, you will then be empowered to love back on me the right way. And as you love back on me the right way, the great thing is that helps you too. It will start to, uh, you'll start to move into the places. As you love on me, God says to you, it'll start to put you in the place of blessing. It'll start to put you in the place. I can remember, and I'll, I'll tell this story because it really summarizes this. See, we have a high priest who passed through the heavens. And because of that, we need to hold on to our confession, our confession of faith. We need to hold on to our trust. No matter what we see, how dark it is, how deep the hole is, how big of a problem is, we need to hold on to our confession of faith. Why? Because we got a big brother who wants to help us. We got a big brother that wants to take our hand in the middle of the dark and tell us it's going to be okay. We have a big brother that even when you're in the dark and you're all messed up, all for your, it's all you're doing. You did it and you know you did it. 
and the devil's telling you how bad you are, we got a big brother in Jesus that says, come on, I'll lead you right out of that place, right out of the fear, right out of the pain, right out of the torment, right out of the condemnation, and I will set you on high. I will set you in heavenly places. You are seated with him in heavenly places, and I will help give you peace, give you rest, give you freedom, all of that. But you got to take me by the hand. And that's where we say, Lord, I trust you. And I find my rest in you. One time I was sitting there, and this was after I started pastoring. And, and, you know, part two is us loving on God. And I did something that I knew was not loving on God. I knew knew it was wrong when I did it. Man, I I messed up. And let me tell you... um, I don't know that I've ever felt condemnation like I did once I was a pastor and did that. (laughs) You know, because, man, the devil just started telling you, you're a pastor, and you did not do what you knew you should have done. Man, he was all over me, and I felt about lower than the ground. I mean, I just felt horrible. And uh, I was sitting there, and God spoke to me, and he said, uh, because will you put up, Uh, Verse 16 in the uh, King James, please. Hebrews 4, 16 in the King James said, Let us come, therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. And so I was sitting there and Lord, um, I don't know if you've ever heard the Lord speak in an authoritative tone, (laughs) but uh, this is the time he, see I was having a pity party. I was having a pity party. And I was beating myself up, and I was letting the devil heap it on too. And the one thing I wasn't doing was going to God. Why? Honestly, I was scared of him. I was scared of him. I'm, you know, I'm pastor, but still, I was scared. And then the Lord spoke to me authoritatively, and he said, he said, I said, come boldly before my throne and I knew this verse but it was interesting that he was pulling that verse out to me and I wasn't I didn't have the revelation on this verse that I do do now at that time this moment really helped me get it but I was thinking man I remember back in the Old Testament where they tied a rope around the priest and uh, they had bells on on them and if they stopped hearing bells uh, they started dragging him out of the Holy of Holies because he had done entered the Holy of Holies and he had sin in his life and it's kind of like the hottest fire. If you can't stand the hottest fire in your holiness, it'll kill you. It'll burn you out. And so, you know, you don't just move in and around God and I was thinking, come boldly before your throne. I just sinned and I know it. I was like, there's no way I want to enter into your presence. No way. And he said it again. I said, come boldly before my throne. And I stopped and I went and got my Bible and I found that verse. And it says, therefore let us draw near with confidence, with boldness to the throne of grace. Why? So that we might find mercy, receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. 
And I started crying because all of a sudden all the junk of the world and, and how much I didn't think God loves me and my fear. See, what was he upset at with me? That I should have known better. I knew he loves me. But I'm going to tell you what, that moment I learned that he loved me even more than I thought. In that moment, I received mercy like I had never received mercy before. And I received forgiveness, and he started helping me. In that moment, the th you know, things I was having problems with and putting down, in that moment, see, here's what happened. In that moment, I received his love in that area and in that issue like I'd never done before. Go back to the graphic. In that moment, in his word, he had given me. I opened up my heart and I trusted him to boldly approach his throne because of his great love for me and receive from him mercy and grace. And I allowed part one to happen. And stuff that I had struggled with all my life, all of a sudden, after that moment, I found all of a sudden I was empowered in those areas to love God back. There's two parts of life. And so many times, see, before that moment, I was trying to love God myself without receiving His mercy and grace on the situation. And I couldn't do it. I was, I was helpless. I was hopeless. And it took God speaking to me Himself and pointing me to these verses to get me to the place where I would just be receiving of his love and when I received all of a sudden it empowered me to be more like him so no matter where you're at or what you're facing when we receive his love and we put our eyes on him and we trust in him we need to hold fast our confession we need to be diligent to not let go of rest we need to be diligent and intentional and purposeful to enter into rest and to trust Him. And in that moment, all of a sudden, God will pour out His grace on you. All we got to do is get receptive. And that will empower you to come up out of that problem. And He'll be able to see everything. See, there's stuff about your problem that you don't have a clue about. But God sees it all. And he can say, your problem, you think it's this big, but all it really is is this one little thing right here. And if you'll just get rid of that, which I will empower you to do, your problem goes away. But see, God can see that. We don't. We see the big problem, but God sees it all. And he's there to help us right in the middle of it. Amen? Amen. So tonight I really feel like, you know, no matter what problem you got, let me just pray for everybody as a closing prayer. But also, I want everybody to, that's here to stick around. If you've got something and you need a solution tonight, I want to pray for you. And so if you need a solution, if you need some rest, if you need just to let go of some stuff, I want you to come up. Amen? So, Lord, we just thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, thank you for your mercy and thank you for your love. Father, we just praise you. Lord, thank you that you love us first, especially when we need help. Thank you, Father, that you are such a loving, loving Father. Lord, 
we will purpose ourselves to enter into your rest and we will keep our eyes on you and hold on to our trust and hold on to our confession and we will see mercy and grace and your love meet us every time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you'd like for me to pray with you, come on up right now and uh, some people will help us.